Our second scripture reading is from Matthew's Gospel this morning about a hero. Chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I love reading about the uh, birth of Jesus when it's not Christmas. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I was on grandmother duty this past week. And my daughter's, and I was at my daughter's home in New Jersey, and it finally happened. What I knew was coming finally happened. Her home has been taken over by Legos. (laughs) Flat surfaces that used to hold vases with flowers and pictures, frames, and little figurines and other mementos now hold scenes of Jurassic World, Star Wars, Ninjago, Black Panther, just to mention a few. The Legos have invaded almost all flat surfaces. They are impressive constructions that have taken a lot of time, and I guess it's something to be expected in a household with a nine-year-old and a world that offers him the wonders of things like the Marvel Universe and their superheroes and their stories. His father and sister are restrained, but I can tell that they are secretly delighted with the new decor. As Pastor Chris and I spoke of this summer sermon series on heroes, the question occurred to me as to whether Jesus had any heroes. I mean, Jesus was nine years old once. Did that concept of hero even mean anything to him? Was there a word translated in Jesus' language of Aramaic that meant hero? That question even stumped Google. (laughs) There is a Hebrew word that is translated as hero, erhale, which means brave one, valiant one, lion of God. But it's really only used once as far as I can find in the writings of Isaiah the prophet. But surely Jesus knew the stories of the courage of Moses, the strength of Samson, the risk-taking of Esther, the valiancy of David, the wisdom of Solomon. Were these Jesus' heroes? We don't know if Jesus had heroes. 
We do know that the Bible teaches us about heroes. However, the approach of the Bible is a little different from the Marvel Universe and Star Wars approach. Although both of those sagas can lead to great discussions about what's good and what's evil. But there are different ways to define a hero, and it is important for us to be reminded of that as well as to put those differences in front of our children. Rather than human achievement and glory and the ability to leap tall buildings in a single bound, biblical heroes are those who do what is pleasing in the eyes of God. God views acts of courage. God views speaking truth to power. Devotion, faithfulness, standing up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. God views all of these as heroic actions. So based on all of this, did Jesus have heroes? We don't know for sure. But this morning I would like to argue and think about how possibly Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, could have been his son's hero. And this is why. We don't know a lot about Joseph from the scriptures, but from the few verses that we do have and the things that can be implied, Joseph did indeed manifest actions that would have been heroic in God's eyes and perhaps in Jesus' eyes as well as a young boy growing up. First of all, can you imagine... Being in Joseph's place, being betrothed to Mary and learning that she was pregnant, that could mean only that she had relations with another man, but she was young. That would have been unlikely. Not as unlikely, however, as conception by way of the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a good and righteous Jewish man. And the Jewish laws were clear as to what would be acceptable for him to do in this situation. According to Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 to 27, if there is a young woman, a virgin already engaged to be married, and a man meets her in the town and lies with her, you shall bring both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. The young woman, because she did not cry for help in the town, and the man because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge this evil from your midst. But if the man meets the engaged woman not in the town, in an open country, and the man seizes her and lies with her, only the man shall die. Because since he found her in the open country, maybe the engaged woman cried for help and no one heard her. No one came to her rescue. Either way... The law tells Joseph that he has every right to purge himself of this situation. But rather than strict adherence to this law, Joseph decides to allow Mary to leave quietly to save her from humiliation and a public spectacle. But God has even a different idea. And through the voice of an angel, God speaks to Joseph in a dream and says, Stay, Joseph, stay, and be Jesus' father. That wasn't the law. But Joseph took Jesus into his household as his own son, despite the biology that wasn't in place. Joseph raised Jesus. 
Joseph, Joseph gave him the line of David. Joseph gave him a bed, food, a name, a family, an identity, and a trade. Joseph chose to embrace Jesus as his own across a wide gap. That sounds pretty heroic to me. The Reverend Lauren Winner writes about one of her favorite books called Far from the Tree, Parents and Children and the Search for Identity. It's about parents who find that they are parenting a child who is very different from them. Perhaps it's a physical difference. Perhaps it's a developmental difference. Perhaps it's an orientation difference. It could be an adopted child or a child of a previous marriage or even a biological child that's just very different from parental expectations. Most of them are. The author's theme is that parenting is always somehow an embrace of a child across a gap, an embrace of a child across differences. And what it teaches us is that if we can cross these gaps with our own children, we can do it with others. We can reach across gaps with strangers and embrace them and love them. And we can do that because isn't that what God has done for us? We are certainly different from God. And yet God reaches across the gap to embrace us and love us. It's what God does for us. And it's what God makes us capable of doing for others. And it's what Joseph did. He reached across that gap knowing that Jesus was a different child. Knowing that this whole situation in which he found himself was different. But Joseph went about his fathering. And that seems pretty heroic to me. Secondly, Joseph could have been Jesus' heroes. Because as we hear the stories that Jesus told, maybe we are also hearing the influence that Joseph had on Jesus. I had never thought of this until reading an article by the Reverend Janet Hunt. But is it possible that in some ways, through his fatherly influence, Joseph taught Jesus what God is like? Can't fathers do that? In the stories that Jesus told, did he draw upon experiences from his earthly father? Does that story about the father who welcomed that wandering prodigal son home reflect Jesus' experience of Joseph welcoming him? When Jesus tenderly instructs us to call God Abba or Daddy, is Jesus remembering the tenderness that Joseph showed him? even in a situation that had to be so confusing to Joseph. That all seems pretty heroic to me. But there's a third reason why Joseph is a hero. Here we are in Matthew 1, the beginning of the New Testament. And Joseph stands at the very beginning of this gospel as a model of what Matthew hopes for all of Jesus' disciples. You see, these Christians, these early Christians, often found themselves in attention. They wanted to adhere to the law. They respected the law. It was important to them. It was God's treasured gift to them. But now this new faith called them to a supreme demand of God's love. And Joseph is our model because Joseph knew the law. 
Joseph respected the law. Joseph adhered to it and obeyed it. But he also knew God's voice in telling him to do something different and something new. And he knew that obedience to God's voice took precedence over the law. This is in Matthew 1. Now, Joseph could have hid behind the law. He could have waved that Deuteronomy passage in front of everyone, but he didn't. In this first passage of Matthew, Joseph is showing us how to live the heart of the law, which takes us to a new level beyond what the letter of the law can do. In a very difficult moral situation, Joseph attends to the voice of God within him, And he is willingly and courageously willing to set aside his previous understanding of God's will in favor of what God was telling him to do now. Now, I have to address something with you that happened this past week. We experienced a misuse of scripture when our Attorney General of the United States quoted Romans 13 in response to the Catholic bishop's criticism of separating children from families who are seeking asylum at our borders. Mr. Sessions specifically said that the Apostle Paul tells us to obey the law and that God has ordained government. Now, before we point fingers, and before you tell me not to come back next week, (laughs) let me say that all of us, all of us have done what was done this week. Every one of us have done what Mr. Sessions did. Every one of us. We have proof texted. We have offered a passage from Scripture that defends our viewpoint without any consideration of the broader context in which the passage is written, without any consideration of repeated overarching themes in the Bible about strangers and aliens and widows and orphans, as sometimes we have all done that. So do not point fingers. And please let me come back next week. I'm not going to go into detail about the Romans 13 and interpretation and its meaning. You've probably read about that all week long. But what I will say to you that we have to look at ourselves because it's often easier for us to hide, to hide behind rigidity. It's often easier for us to hide behind um, individual scripture verses that we pull out of the Bible because we get anxious and we want to serve our own purposes. And we forget to look at what surrounds those verses. We forget to look at to whom is the author writing and why. And we forget also to realize that God is living. We serve a living Lord and God is speaking to us in our hearts right now. And sometimes the heart of what God is saying changes what we have always thought. Joseph could have easily pulled out Deuteronomy 22 and waved it in front of everyone. Joseph could have hid behind the law. He could have purged himself of these awkward and uncomfortable circumstances that God placed him in. And he could have been on his merry way. But that's not what he did. Instead, Joseph listened to God's voice. And he courageously reached across a gap 
and embraced and raised this child, Jesus. That seems pretty heroic to me. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he tells his disciples over and over that he was not sent here to abolish the law. He was sent here to fulfill it, to broaden it, to increase our understanding. And sometimes fulfilling the law would look different to us than our expectations. Sometimes fulfilling the law would be different than what we had previously known. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, always at work, revealing God to us. Jesus teaches this at every turn in his ministry. But this morning, I want to lift up to you that in Matthew's Gospel, in that first chapter, by listening to God's voice and doing a new thing, Joseph taught us first. And perhaps he taught Jesus as well. I don't know if Jesus had a hero, but I think it could have been his dad, Joseph, because he seems pretty heroic to me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.